to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. I'm going to read you the story of the rich young ruler. But we're reading out of the English Standard Version this morning, the ESV. And I think that, I think that we are um, encountering some things right now in our world where we're having an issue with people trying to compartmentalize God. And, and the church is trying to figure this thing out um, where, where believers think that it's okay just to have a little bit of God and then and put him in a jar, if you will, right? And I'll explain my illustration in just a moment. But um, um, put him in a jar and, and let it be just a part of your life but not all of your life. So there's a story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 19 of this rich young man, rich young ruler, and it says this, and behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, now he's talking to Jesus now, okay, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And this rich young ruler said to him, well, which ones? Jesus said, well, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Isn't it interesting that you can do all the right things but still lack? What do I still lack? Verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. There was one thing that this rich young ruler could not give up to Jesus, and that was his riches. And that's the one thing that held him back from following him and going after him and becoming, I like to call this guy the 13th disciple. Because he could have been the one to come into the circle, if you will, but he chose not to because he chose what he couldn't give up compared to the promises of God over his life. And the reason why is because he had things compartmentalized. He says, well, I've not stolen anything. I haven't murdered. I haven't done this. And so he had the compartments all well and done. But there was just one thing that he hadn't given up to God. And that was the one thing that he could not. And he refused to give that up. And so he walked away sad. And I'm sure that as most of us would be the same way, we would be a little frustrated with God. See, when I say things like you have to give it all to God, it really does mean you have to give it all to God. There's no halfways. There's no in-betweensies. Right? If that's even a word. <laughs> it is now. Okay? There, there's not, it has to be everything or nothing. See, there's a lot of little nuggets to pull from this story, but I want to focus on what the rich young ruler couldn't do. The rich young ruler came to Jesus with all that he did and all that he had, and he basically had to put God into these compartments and said, all these things I've done, but I haven't done this one thing. You know, my dad growing up, Kristen, can you hand me that jar for that? Oh, I love my wife. She's so cute. Felt bad. She wanted me to watch fireworks with her last night, but I was wiped out. Wiped out. 
my dad used to have these, um, my dad's pretty old school, and um, he's an old Vietnam vet and uh, military guy. He loves tools. Um, anybody like that? You just love tools, right? You just love tools. He's got stacks and storages and cupboards and cabinets full of tools back from the 1920s, um, literally 1900s to 1910s. Um, and these are all things that have been passed down in his family. And, and I read his will, and he's not even going to give me any of them. I was like, come on, Dad. He's like, no, they're going to somebody who likes them. And I went, I like them. <laughs> so, so um, but my dad, uh, when we were growing up, I remember my dad had baby uh, jar, um, baby food jars. You know what I'm talking about? The little ones. And they used to have the little lid on them, right? And then he would stuff those things full of screws. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? He would just stuff those things full of screws. Every kind of screw imaginable, every kind of washer imaginable, anything that can get lost, he put it in these jars and he had it labeled. Sometimes, you know, the older you get, the more you go, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a blah, 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 blah. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I still need to get out like the, the thank God for Google sometimes, right? It's like, what kind of, what, in it, what, is that metric or is that, I don't know. But he had every kind of screw and they're all under a little thing like this, a little shelf. Right, and he was go zip, 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 right, and he goes, hey, uh, Jake, go get me a, go get me a, a half inch, blah blah blah, and I went, okay, and so I'm looking around, and I think he labeled them just for me, right, and and uh, so there it is, oh yeah, I was like, zip, 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 I unscrew that thing, right, take out a handful, put it back up, well, not me, I didn't put it back, I never put it back up, okay, oh that's cool, and just slapped it right there, but dad would come in, Jake, put that thing away, right, and so so we put that jar back up, and, and, uh, and I just thought that was like the coolest thing, to have all these compartments and all these jars filled with the right exact thing. And when you needed that thing, you would go after that thing, right? Just so innovative, so cool, you know, and um, how many of you guys still have that in your garage? Let me ask you that. Anybody here have that in your garage? I think that that's, that's just so, that's, I think it's just so awesome. I think it's just so cool. I try to be cool too, so I got some plastic bags, and I quickly found out that Ziploc bags are not the same as jars, <laughs> right? So uh, couldn't have that. Um, but what happens a lot of times, and unfortunately, that's how most of believers' relationships with God is, is that we compartmentalize. We put things in these jars, and we say, this is this. This is this, and this is this. And most of the time, what this is is all baggage. It's all just stuff that we haven't yet addressed. Or maybe it's things that you're not willing to give up. Maybe it's something that you say, it's just not time yet, or I don't have this, or I, I don't want to give this up. And just like the rich young ruler, Jesus is pressing you this morning. And he's saying, which jar haven't you yet given to me? Because that's the jar that's holding you back from following me completely. I just, just by just me shotgun blasting this, I bet you anybody, there's still people in here holding a grudge to something that somebody did to you years ago, but you can't let it go because you can't learn to forgive. Like Pastor Steve said in our encounter weekend, not being supernatural is holding a grudge. Supernatural is forgiving. And you're holding this in because you feel justified and you feel like they owe you an apology and they feel like they, you did them wrong. Let me tell you that you hold the key to your own freedom and that's surrendering this jar to the Lord. It's surrendering this thing that you hold so dear to you to the Lord. 
Maybe it is your finances. Maybe it is your stuff. Maybe it is those things about the rich young ruler. But just generally speaking right now, maybe this jar is called time. Well, I don't have time to serve God. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to worship him. I don't have time to go to church, which none of you say that because you're here this morning. I don't have time for this. And God's saying, listen, give me your time. Give me your time because that time is the one thing that might be holding you back from the fullness of God in your life. Whatever the case is, and what's happening right now in the church of America is we're beginning to compartmentalize God. And we say things like this. Well, not this part, but maybe this part. And we think that that's good enough. I want you to know that if he doesn't have all the jars, he has none of them. Now I know some of us need to be ready to give up some stuff and things like that. But that's why I'm here. I'm here to prod you, to get you to release the jars of your life to God. Let me suggest something to you. If God doesn't have all of them, like I said, he doesn't have any of them. With God and our relationship with him, it's more than just the compartments that we live. It's more than just, I go to church, jar. I occasionally pray, there's one of the jars. Well, you know, I've, I haven't murdered, so that's one of the jars. I, I haven't lied, and I honor my mom and dad, so that's one of the jars. Well, you know, I kind of read my Bible. That's one of the jars. What else do you need, Jesus? What else do you want me to give up? Well, that one thing that you can't give up because that's the one thing that's holding you back. What happens when we have this kind of attitude where I can give them this or I have done this. You can give them this or I've done this already. What happens with that kind of attitude of living is that if he doesn't have it all, then Jesus can fall out of those positions as well faster. He is my friend, amen? Isn't he your friend? Isn't Jesus your friend? Guess what? He's not also your friend, but he's also your Lord. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And unfortunately, in the church in America today, and I'd even say for even some of us here today, that we've made the Lord other things of our life. But when will he become precedent? When will he become the one that says he is the Lord of lords in my life? So you got to think to yourself, what is lording over you right now? What is it that you give, you've given over, to, over to, to either the enemy or to yourself, this dominion, this authority over your life? God says, listen, release that to me. I want to set you free from all that. It's like this. Some would say, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read. I don't have time to worship. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to focus. I don't have time to do these kinds of things. Let me suggest to you today that no, you really do have time. But what you've done is you've stuck God in one of these jars under the shelf. And he becomes only something you open when you need him. Oh, I really need God right now. Oh. But yet all this time, he hasn't been Lord over your life. I'm not saying God's not going to be there. Hear me out, folks. Look. I'm not suggesting this morning that Jesus is in the business of rescuing people, okay? Because he is. But let me get you from one place to the other this morning by encouraging you in this. That don't make Jesus a jar under the shelf. Make him the one who is Lord over all the jars. Make him the one who is the king over all of it. 
right? So that way you can continue building and continue building this friendship, but also continuing building the lordship of Jesus over your life. So what does it mean to have God, the Lord, be Lord of your life? Well, Romans chapter 14, verses 8 through 9 says this. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Oh, I love that. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord, both of the dead and of the living. So what does it mean for the Lord to be the Lord of your life? Is everything that we do, everything that we are, everything that we aspire to be must revolve around Understand this, that Jesus does not revolve around you. We must revolve around him. And I know sometimes that that's hard to hear. I know sometimes that that's really difficult for us to understand. I know sometimes that's hard for us to really grasp because we want Jesus only when it's convenient. I'm here to tell you this morning that it doesn't matter Oh, look, we got some blinking going on. Look, we can just turn off the projector. Just turn it off. Okay? I have to be really, like, quick to read that scripture on the back. But it needs to be to get out of Don't worry about that. If you've got problems with seizures, close your eyes for a second, okay? <laughs> that black remote control, you can just do it from back there and just... Isn't it funny that only on Sundays the technical demons come out? Everything we do must revolve around God. Everything that we are. When I see the church coming into, it's if only if it's okay. Only if it's the right time. Only if it's the perfect season. If things aren't going bad in my life, if everything's going well, look, if we can't serve Jesus when it's going good, then we certainly can't serve him when he's going bad. And if we can't serve Jesus when everything's going bad, then we're definitely not going to serve him when it's going good. I know, because of the word, that I'm not a slave any longer to sin. Amen? Come on, do you believe that? That you're not a slave any longer to sin? Come on. But I am a slave to righteousness. Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. It'll be on the back screen. Ah, just kidding. Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23 says this. What then? I love that. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either that of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God. Come on, somebody. Thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Slaves of righteousness. Verse 20 says this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. 
But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed of? Do, do you understand what that means? When you were a slave to sin, yeah, you weren't a slave to righteousness. But what do you have to be happy about about that? What, what, what fruit in your life is evident because you wanted to do your own thing? Because you stuck God in a jar? What, what fruit do you have to present to the Lord to say, yeah, 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 th this is my life, right? Th th this is how it is. But what fruit do you have? And unfortunately, today and ac across America, we have a lot of fruitless Christians. And I, look, look, look at me. See me? You might be saying, why are you talking like this to me, Pastor? Because this is what I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. For me. I don't just study just to preach a message. I study because God is working on my heart. Verse 22. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And our famous verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This idea that God is only for some of my life, but not for all of my life, doesn't fly when it comes to the kingdom. It doesn't count. He didn't kind of die for our sins. He didn't kind of go to the cross. He didn't kind of suffer that death. He didn't kind of resurrect. He didn't kind of defeat hell in the grave. No, he did it once and for all. He went all the way. Let me suggest to you today that there's no such thing as halfway Christians. So let me ask you, are you putting God in a compartment? Are you putting him in under the shelf in a jar and you only open the jar when you need him? Or is he the king of kings over your life? Is he the Lord of lords over your life? I heard something this week that just kind of rattled me a little bit, how anybody could just compartmentalize God. And when I heard this, it was this idea of, well, I just don't have time for God. I just, I just don't have time for him anymore. I just don't have time for Jesus. I don't, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to focus on that stuff anymore. Like, like I just want to do what I want to do. I just want to do what I want to do. Okay, well, you go ahead and be God, okay? And when you're ready, you could come back after you get done living in the pig pen, okay? I promise you that the Father is waiting for you to return. That he's waiting for you to return. So let me ask you this question. Is he your life? Is he, is he your all? Is he your everything? I truly believe, and if I truly believe that he is God, he must be God in my life. He must be Lord. He must be King. I must submit to him. I must align to him. I must revolve around his world, his kingdom. I must revolve around that. There's no other way around it. There's no halfways. There's no gray. There's either him or it's nothing. You can play some music up here in a minute, very lightly, okay? Altar call music. And here's the great thing about God. When we submit ourselves to his lordship, he is a good God. Let's say that together. He is a good God. He's a good God. 
Amen? I believe that. He doesn't, he, he's not waiting up in heaven ready to strike you down if you do something stupid, right? If you make a mistake. A lot of us, a lot of religious Christians believe that, you know? A lot of religious believers believe that. They, 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 they think, well, yeah, he's just up there in heaven getting ready to, you know, and all these kinds of things. Look, he's not, he's a good God. He loves you. He died for you. He loves you beyond measure. He has your heart. He has your future present in his mind. And he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And I promise you, you'll never want anything else. But we must learn to submit. Surrender. It's called surrender. Surrender your life. What a lot of Christians do when we get to this point in our relationship with God, and maybe you're here this morning, you say, I'll just have more faith. I can do this myself. I can get over this myself. You know, I can, I, I, I can do it myself. I'll have more faith. I'll work, I'll work harder for my faith. I'll work for a stronger faith. I, I don't need, no, no. I can do this. I'll, put, I'll just put more efforts into working my faith that, like harder faith. Let me suggest to you this morning that strong faith doesn't come with more determination. It comes with surrender. Strong faith doesn't come with more determination. It comes with surrender. So as I close, why do people compartmentalize God? I believe that people compartmentalize God because they are afraid of what they can't control. We somehow want to control God. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Okay? Good luck with that. We want to control God. We don't want to lose control over the things that we have control over our lives. So they put all these things that they have a control in their own spaces in a jar under the shelf. And they say, no, God, not that jar. I can control that one. I can control that one. Not that one. Can't have that one. They say things like, I'm in control of my own life, so no one can tell me what I can or can't do or how I should or shouldn't feel. You're right. You have every right to feel how you're going to feel. You have every right to make your own decisions. You have every right. But if you're a Christian here today and you claim to be a believer, either he's God or he's not God. Either he's Lord or he's not Lord. My responsibility as a believer is to obey to surrender my heart, and to yield myself to the will of God. It is in the process of obedience that we gain understanding. You can't get the peace that passes understanding until you give up your right to understand. Love and passion for God drives us to centralize ourselves in Him. So where are you? What is driving you? Is it only when you need Him? Or is your life being driven by saying, you are my world. You are everything. You have all the jars of my life. You have all the jars. You can just bow your head and close your eyes. And I know in the middle of service we had a, we had a prayer time. And I'd even just vow to say that some of you came up and you gave your life back to Jesus. 
came up and you said, I need, I need God, I need Jesus. And you gave your life back to him. To you, I say congratulations. You made the greatest decision of your life to come back to him. This weekend we had a great depiction of the prodigal son. Where the son was out being wild, spending his inheritance. And every day the father would come out to the edge of the road and say, maybe today, in excitement and anticipation, he said, maybe today he's going to come back home. He said, maybe today he's going to come back home. And then he didn't come back home. And so the next day came around and the father went out there again to the edge of the road and said, maybe today, maybe today's the day he's going to come back home. For weeks, months, he stood out at the edge of the road in anticipation, waiting to see his son come right over the hill. Go, maybe today's the day. And then it was that day where he saw the son come, come back to the father's house and say, Dad, I messed up. I messed up. And the cool thing about that story, unlike earthly fathers, a lot of the times is he didn't scold his son. He didn't point his finger at him and say, I told you, he said, come to me, son. Let me hold you. I love you. He waited weeks, months for him to come back and say, come to me. And finally he did. He said, yes, God, thank you for bringing my son home. And maybe that's you this morning. I don't know everyone's story here today, so I'm just going to cast the net. Maybe you need to come back to the Father. Maybe you need to, maybe at one time you were serving God, but you put him in a jar somewhere and you said, that's enough. I'll just have him there when I need him. Well, today's the day to open that jar again and come back to him. He's here for you. If there's anybody here this morning that says, that's me, Pastor, will you pray for me? I've walked away from God and I want to I come back to him. Just raise your hand real quick. Put it right back down if that's you. I've walked away and I'm ready to come back. Is there anybody here this morning? Praise the Lord. We're all family. Second thing is this. Maybe he's not Lord of Lords over your life. Maybe he's not Lord of Lords. You stuck him under the shelf somewhere. And he hasn't really been that active in your life. And your life really is only made up of just a few little things here. But it's not really made up in the nature of Christ. In the nature of God. And you say, God, I want you to have all the jars. I want you to have everything. I want you to be Lord of Lords. King of Kings over my life. Whatever that might be, that jar might be unforgiveness. That jar might be bitterness. That jar might be something that you only know about, that you've got, that you only secretly know about in your heart. Look, it's time. If you're holding unforgiveness, it's time to release that. It's time. You can't go into this next season of this world, of this shift, of this awakening, holding unforgiveness. You can't do it. Don't try. Because we will fall away. But greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world. 
So if that's you this morning, and you're saying, I need God to be God, Lord of Lords, just raise your hand. Come on. Come on. I got both of mine raised. I don't know about you. <laughs> Jesus, come on, let's stand right now. Come on, let's stand. And let's surrender to him. Let's surrender to him. Father, I surrender to you. Come on, just say that with me. I surrender to you. I surrender everything that I am to you. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. You are everything to me. I don't want to live my life by myself. I don't want to live my life, God, to myself, in myself, thinking I'm in control. But Jesus, I surrender it all to you. I give everything that I am to you, God. Everything that I am, God. I don't want nothing for myself. You become more and I become less, God. Increase in me. Increase in my heart. Father, increase in my life, Jesus. I surrender and submit myself to you, God. For it's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. I honor you today. I thank you. I bless you. In Jesus' name.